last two weeks looking at um, a, a short series on doxologies in the Bible, which are moments of praise and worship that come out of um, passages in the Bible, where the writer, um, for whatever reason, suddenly uh, goes into some... Uh, sort of expression of worship and praise. And we're looking at some of those to see uh, what they are <coughs> about and, and, uh, and what they tell us. Um, but before I do that, I want to just, just remind us of a picture that I shared a couple of weeks ago, which I feel uh, in this season God wants to impress on us. And that was the picture I had of, a, of, uh, of, a, of some, a family going on holiday or, or going to the seaside and then... Uh, one of the children catching a glimpse of the sea and saying, I see the sea. And, uh, and uh, maybe <laughs> some of you experienced that sort of thing. And, then, um, and, and you can see a glimpse through the, through the trees or through the, through the hills of this sea and, and it starts to unfold and, and you can get a little glimpse of it. And, and sometimes we, we can have this, this view of God that we say, oh, we've seen him, I know what he's like. And yet actually all we've done is, is capture a little glimpse and then... As you, as you get closer, you see a bit wider and you see this massive expanse. And then you can get to the sea and get onto the shore and you see the waves and the power of the waves. And, and then you can start paddling and you experience it and then you start swimming. And, uh, and then you can go uh, deeper and you can go swimming in the sea and then you can go scuba diving. We, we went for a walk at Christmas with uh, some people who, uh, every opportunity they get, they go scuba diving. And you might say, well, surely you've, 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 you've experienced it once, you know, that, that'll do, won't it? But of course, they, the depths and the amazing things that are held in the sea, uh, you know, they, they will spend a whole life looking at. And, and that is a picture, if you like, of what God is like. And, and wherever we are, there is more of him to know. Whether we've just taken a little glimpse, or whether, whether we're on the, the shore, or whether we're swimming, or whether we've started scuba diving in God... There is so much more. And in this season, God is drawing us into an encounter with himself. And, and my prayer today is that, that actually this isn't a theoretical thing. I, I don't want to tell you about God. I mean, that's what I'm going to preach on. I'm going to preach about God. But actually through this, my prayer, and James' prayer, is that you encounter him. Mm. Because in the end, that's what it's about. I don't want head knowledge full of what God is like. I want a heart knowledge because I've encountered him for who he is. Mm. And, uh, and so I'm just going to pray, God, as I speak today, Lord, I pray that however faltering my lips, Holy Spirit, I ask you, will you draw us into an encounter with God himself? Mm. God, will you come and reveal yourself today? Will you show yourself, Lord God, uh, so that we may meet with you and know you better? Lord Jesus, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. In Jeremiah 9, 24, it says this. Let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Jeremiah is writing here to say, look, do you know what? The best thing you can do, the thing you can boast in, is that you have got to know God. Uh, and as I said, it's a lifelong pursuit. And, and it's not 
you know, I, I can boast, or I could maybe boast about how good I am at, at my job, or how great I am as a preacher, which I'm sure you all agree with. Um, I can boast about a whole lot of things. And, 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 and Jeremiah said, don't do that. There's one thing only that is worth boasting about, is that you have got to know God himself. You understand him. And to try and understand God is a lifelong pursuit. And we'll never get there. We'll never get to understand God fully because he is awesome and so different to us and we're going to talk about that. But actually God invites us on that journey and he says, come, come. You, you can know me. You can understand something of me. You can encounter me. It's for you to, to have this encounter. So what I want to look at today um, is uh, a verse from 1 Timothy. And uh, Darren, I don't know if you've got that on there. Can you put the 1 Timothy 1 17 up? That's it. And it's very, very short and simple. And it says here, uh, this is Paul writing. He says, now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, <laughs> the only God, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is uh, an outburst of worship from Paul uh, in the middle of uh, a passage that he's talking about uh, what God has done for him. So uh, in the verses before, we won't have to look at them, but it's saying he recalls how God has called him and appointed him to his service, even though he was a blasphemer, a persecutor and a violent man. Uh, he is recalling in the verses before the amazing grace of God to save him. And he calls himself the worst of sinners. Um, and he says of what amazing unlimited grace and patience and mercy were poured out on him. And as he's writing this, suddenly he goes into this worship. And, and what I love about the way the Bible is written is that Paul... In, in his books, and if you, if you read through the New Testament, it contains a lot of wonderful doctrine and truth about Jesus and about God, about us, about our salvation. It's, it's contained there. But Paul never puts it across in a series of dry, cold facts. That's not how it's written. Paul is writing, and suddenly he just goes into worship and he scribbles it down. Because what he's talking about isn't simply a list of things that you need to know. It's something he has experienced deep down within him. And he bursts into worship. And, and this, this is a key for us to understand and read the Bible. We, as people of God, need to take Paul's uh, example. And when we read it, and when we start encountering Scripture, if we don't end up in worship and praise then we've sort of probably tackled it in the wrong way. The Holy Spirit brings it alive, and suddenly we don't simply encounter some words on a page, we encounter the person who wrote it. Amen. We encounter God himself. And as soon as we encounter him, we, we just get lost <coughs> in worship. And I believe it's for every child of God that that is how you can experience God through the Scriptures. That actually it isn't simply a dry thing that you read through. And sometimes it is, and sometimes when we read it, and we think, oh, I don't know. But God's heart is that you encounter him through the words of God. And, and, uh, and let me encourage you to seek that, and to ask God that when you come to the scriptures, 
and, and ask you, you know, that you do it. Uh, and whenever you do it, whether it's a psalm or whether it's a New Testament, whether it's the Gospels, you encounter God and you meet with him. And that is God's heart for you, that you meet with him in the scriptures. Not simply that you learn some wonderful facts. I mean, it's great doctrine. Clearly, the Bible talks about that. But actually, it's about an encounter with God. That's what he's after. That's what he wants you to have. And he does this uh, frequently. We, Jamie did one la- uh, last week and the week before uh, in Romans. And, and, uh, and actually, in, uh, later on uh, uh, in, in Timothy, uh, Paul does exactly the same thing. He, he's talking about something, and then he says, God, in, in 6 verse 15, he says, God, the blessed and only ruler, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to be him be honour and might forever. Amen. So again, he, he uses a very similar thing. He, he just, it just erupts into praise and worship. And I want to, to look at what the content of this verse is. And uh, the first thing is, and it's obvious really, is that it's totally God-centred. He is worshipping God, not for what he's done, although that is a, a very good thing to worship God for and thank God for. He is worshipping God for who he is. And this is, this is uh, really, uh, really crucial for, for, for us as Christians, that we get to know God, not for what he's done for us, first and foremost, as wonderful as that is, and it, and it is, you know, our worship songs today uh, have been a mix of this. And it's right we thank and worship God for the salvation we've received. We, it's right to thank God for, for, and worship him for Jesus and his sacrifice for us, what he's done for us. That's absolutely right. But here Paul is going back to something even more fundamental. He's going to say, I'm worshipping you, God, for who you are. For who you are, your absolute fundamental qualities. That's what I'm worshipping you for. And that's, that is what this, this is about. And we, we as God's people need to get to that point because actually it's then that we truly have a, a solid foundation. You see, if we only worship God for what he's done, then if we get to a point where actually things have gone wrong and, 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 and God hasn't quite turned out as we wanted him to, as James was talking about last week, then actually we, we start shaking and say, God, but you, you know, you haven't done this, and, and, and why not? And, and you know, actually, I thought you were, I thought you were better than this. And, and, and you know, I, I, well, I, I can't cope. But when we get to the point where we recognise who God is, and we go, and even in the midst of the most difficult times, we say, God, you are holy and awesome and eternal, and I'm going to worship you for who you are, not for the way my circumstances turn out, then we have a firm foundation for life. And so this is what Paul here uh, is, is, is talking about. And the other thing which is really uh, fairly clear from this is that he's worshipping God for things which are so not us. Uh, if you, that verse couldn't describe me less. To the king eternal. No. Okay, through Jesus I have eternal life. But I'm a finite being. I'm not eternal. 
Immortal? Nah, it's not me. Invisible? N- no, well. <laughs> the only God? Paul here is getting the attributes of God that are totally not like us. And he is elevating God for who he is. And he's trying to say to us, actually, get this. He's not like you and me. He is not the same as us. Now, we, in our best, reflect some of the traits of God. And as we get to know him more and more, we will reflect his, his love and his goodness and his faithfulness. And as we get to know him, as we encounter him, so some of the good things of God will reflect on us and out to the world. And that's, that's our job, is to bring his goodness and his love and his faithfulness and, and his justice to the world as we encounter him. And, and so that wonderful truth is that when we've spent time in his presence, like we have this morning, we will reflect to the world some of his qualities. But in reality, God is so different to us. And that is so important. So important to know. Because I am weak and I can't do everything. And if I was God, we would be in a terrible place. Because I can't sort stuff out. I, can't, I haven't got the power. I'm not eternal. I'm not immortal. None of us are. But God is. And that is so important for us to, to grasp. Having a big view of God, understanding that he is not like us and that he is amazing. So quickly going through these uh, different uh, parts. So King Eternal. King Eternal. This literally means that he is the king of the ages. He has reigned supreme from eternity to eternity. He is king of all the ages. He was king when Jesus was born. He was king uh, when cavemen lived on this earth. He, is, uh, he was king uh, in, in the Victorian era. He is king before Brexit. He will be king after Amen. Brexit. <laughs> <Goodness>. and, <laughs> and that is so important for us to know. He reigns supreme. He is unsurpassed. He, there is nobody that uh, has any... Uh, uh, claim on him he is totally supreme he is unrivaled but he also has no beginning and no end and this I find probably the most troubling because if you start thinking about that as a human being I, I start thinking about the eternity of God the everlasting nature, that he had no beginning, he has no end, I start, I can't cope with it. And that's probably a good thing, to recognise that the God we worship is so immense that my mind cannot comprehend it. We cannot understand eternity. It doesn't make sense. It's not within our grasp. And of course, so often, because of that, Clever people, very, very clever people in this world have dismissed God because they cannot get their heads around it. <coughs> and, and the Bible talks about that. The wise, I will frustrate them because they will think about my eternity and my awesomeness and they can't cope with it. And because they can't cope with it, they'll dismiss it. Uh, but, but God is so much bigger than our human minds. He is so much greater than that. And getting to the point where we just... 
I can't comprehend it, is probably a good place to be because we suddenly recognise how awesome and amazing God is. So he is eternal and he is the eternal king. But the next talks about being immortal. And immortal, it literally means he's incorruptible. He's incorruptible. How wonderful, how wonderful it is to know that God is incorruptible. He doesn't diminish as time goes on. All of us, as we go on, I mean, uh, I've met some people this week, actually, who, who, uh, who I, I knew, haven't seen for ages, and he, you know, he looks younger than when I last saw him. Um, I was quite amazed. But in general, that doesn't happen. As we grow older, we start diminishing. Our, our powers, of, our strength gets less. Uh, and, and, and we fade, don't we? God is not like that. He is incorruptible. He is undiminishing. He sustains himself in absolute strength and power. He is not moved by changing situations. He is not uh, perplexed or changed by human argument. His qualities never change. They are unwavering. He's not happy one day and sad the next. That's us, isn't it? So us. However, uh, you know, we can be so affected by moods, by other people when we react to them and when when they react to us. Uh, We're affected by the weather, the seasons. We're affected by the news. We're affected by the Crystal Palace result. (laughs) Some of us are. We, we are though, we, we, get, we get moved, we get changed. God doesn't get changed. He doesn't get less, he doesn't change, he doesn't grow tired or weak. God is unchanging and yet he's not unmoved. So important to realise, because when we start thinking about this, his, this unchangeableness, his immortality, we can, we can start getting a picture of a God that is aloof and distant and unaffected and like a big massive mountain that we cannot get anywhere near and who is unaffected by us. He is moved by his people, mm. by his children. He loves, and, and Joe was talking about this, he, he delights over us. He, he, he wants to help us and encourage us when we're struggling, when we're going through difficult times. He is moved, but he is unchanging. And these are the concepts that are difficult perhaps to get in our heads but this is true of God, and, and, and to understand what he's truly like is, is, a, is, a, is a lifelong uh, pursuit. He's not cold and distant. He's close, and he loves us. But then Paul goes on to say another attribute of God, which is possibly the one that we may struggle the most with. And uh, it's interesting that he includes it. He is invisible. And I think, well, Paul, why did you put that in? That's not so good. I wish I could see him sometimes. I wish he was there. Uh, you know, more obviously sometimes than, than, you know, because of the things I've gone through. But again, Paul is emphasising, no, he's different to you. He's different to me. We're visible. And the thing about being visible is as soon as something's visible, it's finite. 
you can define it. This is visible. It's got a height, it's got a, a width, it's got everything. Same as me. You can define it if it's visible. You can't define God. You cannot, you cannot measure him. You cannot say, oh, okay, he's this tall. You, he's this big. You can't, because he's infinite. And therefore, by, by very logic, if you like, he has to be invisible. Because if he was visible, you could define him. And so God's invisible. And also the Bible talks about God being spirit. And we worship in spirit and in truth. And so getting the idea that God is not like us, that he is immovable, that he is not defined, that he is not put in a box, is important. So Paul says he's invisible. So different to us. Unless you have children and you want them to do something for you. They can then become invisible, I've noticed. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bit unfair, but anyway. um, Okay. Now, just just to clarify that, he does appear in the Bible in various forms. Obviously, the obvious one is Jesus. And, uh, and Jesus was fully God and fully man. Now, this is something, again, we struggle to understand when you have, you know, so you can see Jesus. People saw him. They touched him. They could, they could define him. And yet, uh, although he was fully God and fully man, he, was, he chose to limit himself while here on earth. Jesus got tired. God doesn't get tired. He was surprised by some of the responses he got on earth. God is never taken unawares, taken by surprise. He knows everything. Um, and there are various other... He, uh, he died. Obviously his spirit didn't, but he, he died. So God in that <coughs> moment chose to limit himself. Um, and you know, in various other forms that we that we encounter God in, the, uh, they are they are representations of Him. But the true nature and glory of God is invisible. Now, one day we will see Him as He is, because we will be transformed. Amen. God will stay as He is. Somehow we will be transformed because I can't see Him like this. But thankfully, God, in His wisdom, is going to transform me. He's going to transform you, and we will see Him. As he is. That is going to be awesome. Isn't it? I'm I'm thankful that my mind will be transformed by that stage so I'll be able to cope with it. He's outside time and space. But the wonderful thing is, he's here right now. He's present. Doesn't mean he's distant, he's right here in this room with us today it's wonderful truth and then he is the only God the only God he's unrivaled he's unsurpassed no one comes anywhere near him he's utterly supreme as we said already he doesn't uh, he doesn't compete with the devil for supremacy there's not a battle going on in heaven. Who's going to win this week? God is the only God. <laughs> Satan comes nowhere near him. Mm. Nothing comes anywhere 
near him. Reminds us that he and he alone is the one we can trust. The one we can depend on. The one we can turn to in every situation. He is the one we need. The problem is, is that so often when we get to difficult situations, and, and we've all done it, and I do it, is that, that we, we struggle and we, we get hit by something that unsus, uh, surprising or unexpected. And what we tend to do is we reach out for something we can see. Something that is tangible, something that we can get hold of to try and save us. And that can be a natural response. I, I, I'm struggling, I'm, I want to get hold of something... And it could be anything. It could be, it could be our, our partner. It could be, um, our, um, could be some money. It could be going shopping. It could, it could be a doctor. It could be anything that we reach out to. You've got to save me. And, and of course, whatever we reach out to, however good they are, it will, they're not God. But whatever we try and trust in, whatever we look to for saving us, that becomes our God. And if it's not God, it will never cope with the stress. It will never cope with the weight that we put on it. And eventually, however, it might give us some comfort for a little while, it will ultimately fail. Because it isn't God. Peter describes faith of greater worth than gold. He says, do you know what? In a difficult situation, you don't want money, you don't want people around you, you want faith. Because faith enables you to reach out and take hold of the invisible. Hallelujah. Come on. Faith enables you to get hold of that which is unshakable and unmovable. Amen. And so Peter is saying, don't worry about the rest of the stuff. Don't think about your wealth or your, anything. Think about your faith. Because it's that that will keep you in times of hardship. It's that that will keep you when you're going through the most difficult thing. Because faith enables you to get hold of the invisible. Faith enables you to see the invisible. (coughs) And it's that's what will keep us strong. As we get hold of God, as we see him for who he is, so different to us, we will be able to cope in whatever circumstances come our way. Yes, that's true. That's why God is calling us into a deeper relationship with himself so that we can Mm. present to this world people not that have got it all together but have got a hope and a certainty and a surety that in all circumstances we are not fearful because we have got hold of the immortal, invisible, eternal God. I love the songs that we sing. I love the the worship time, I love the intimacy that we get in worship. Um, yeah. and, uh, and we talk about all that God's done and we talk about who Jesus is. But also, I love the songs that go into and include the very nature of who God is. And, uh, and for us, um, for me, a particular moment I look back to um, I was, we were going through a particularly difficult period in our life. Uh, we'd had, um, I can't remember all the circumstances, but um, I was driving in a car that wasn't my own. I'd borrowed it because our car had broken. We didn't have the money to fix it. There was all sorts of things happening. And on, uh, I was listening to a CD, and, and uh, the CD came on, 
uh, this, it's a bit of an old song now, but uh, it's um, Faithless One So Unchanging. Do you know that? I mean, we do sing it occasionally, but... Faithful. Faithless. Faithful. Faithful. What did I say? Faithless. Faithless. <laughs> Ignore that. <laughs> Scrub that from your mind. <laughs> Faithful. <laughs> Faithful one. So unchanging. Mm. Ageless one. You're my rock of peace. Yeah. Lord of all, I depend on you. I call out to you again and again. What was so good about that is that it, that song took me for away from my circumstances, away from the fact that things weren't working out, and they put me onto a God who was immortal and, and unchanging and permanent and secure. It was, it was, a, it was a, a turning point, really, for me in that time because I suddenly realised that it was going to be okay. Whatever was going on around me, because God is there. And he's unchanging. And he's, he's the rock of ages. He is going to be there all the time. He's not going to let me down. Because he's not moved, he's not changed, he's, he's immortal. He's not diminishing in this circumstances. And the other thing which Paul was amazed at and going on about, if you like, is that he talked about this, this amazing, immortal, invisible, eternal God. And he said, that God has chosen me. That God knows my name. He isn't distant. He's not far away. He may hold the universe in his hand. He may be above time and space. He may be the most impossible thing to understand. But he knows my name. He knows your name. He cherishes you. He holds you so tightly. He loves you. He's here right now. He's right next to you. He's awesome. And yet he is so intimate with you. And so, we want to worship God for who he is. And we want to know him for who he is. We want to encounter him for who he is. Because those qualities are the ones that will keep us secure. Keep us holding on. Keep us unmoved in the difficult circumstances that some of us will face and do face. And knowing that this immortal, eternal God holds me and holds you secure, cherishes you and loves you. Shall we just stand together? Father, we we just worship you for who you are. God, you are so different to us. You are so glorious, so amazing. And Lord, I thank you that even though you are the King Eternal, that you're immortal, that you're invisible, that you're the only God, that you're here right now. 
Lord. You know my name. You hold me. You cherish me. And you love me. And I thank you, God. And I pray that if anyone here, God, I just speak out now, Lord, if anyone doesn't know that, if anyone doesn't know the cherishing and the loving of this internal <coughs> immortal God, I ask God, will you reveal that even now to people here? Let them just be encountered by the living God. Let them know how much you love them. Let them know that even though you're awesome in splendour, that you're right there with them. That you're right with them, surrounding them, knowing them. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for who you are. Lord Jesus, we want to live a life of worship to the amazing God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.